Hello, and welcome to episode 53 of the Movie Marathoners podcast. I'm your host, Mati, and joining me today is Josh from the Media Music Podcast. Thanks for joining me, Josh. How's your 4th of July weekend going? Um, it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, I'm in the middle of moving personally, and then this weekend was spent moving my brother too, so it's kind of just been physical working and stuff so it is what it is (laughs) yeah moving is the worst i moved like last year and i never want to do it again but i'm sure i'll be moving again so i'm sorry you've been dealing with that (laughs) it is what it is your brother at least helped you move right uh kind of (laughs) not well it's it's not it's not his fault like my family's moving to orlando but he's like at the age where he's starting his own life so to go from new york to florida would have been a lot to just ask him to help out with and a whole trip and like stop working just to help us move so yeah he kind of got out of that okay well he definitely owes you like one move then right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I definitely somewhere down the line so this week uh josh is going to join me to discuss two very different musical films uh first we'll talk about the recording of hamilton that came on to disney plus on july 3rd And then we'll review the Netflix comedy Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. It's a mouthful, so it's probably the last time I'm going to say the full name of the movie. We'll just call it Eurovision. So what we'll do today is first we'll have a spoiler-filled discussion about the Hamilton film. We'll talk spoilers just straight from the get-go, given that it is a hugely popular musical about American history. So not too many spoilers there if you know American history. Then we'll move on to a spoiler-free discussion of Eurovision before running into spoiler territory where we can talk about that film freely. And since we are doing a double review, we'll just be skipping the uh, .2 section this week to give us more time to talk about these films specifically. But Josh, I want to start off the podcast by asking you a little bit about your background with music, and specifically music in media, such as you know film and television, the things we'll be talking about today. Uh, what got you interested in that particular area of music? Uh, so I have been playing multiple instruments and, and singing since forever, really. It was just something, one of the few things that I felt like super passionate about. As I got older, I kind of just picked up more and more instruments. And honestly, the only area I could see me really investing time in other than music was film and video games and TV, stuff like that. So it was just the perfect kind of combination when I um, I found a program at uh, University of Miami where, um, where I currently go. And it's specifically for writing music, like to picture and to like commercials and video games and, and things like that. Um, so it was just kind of like the perfect combination. And um, one of the few undergrads that actually lets you do that. That's how I really like um, understood what I wanted to do. And then now I'm just running um, my own podcast, literally just talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's a rat race running the podcast, um, but that's <laughs> really cool. I mean, I've, I've always been very bad at analyzing music, so I'm very glad that you are here to kind of uh, help bring some credibility to this episode of the podcast, because uh, a lot of music I just kind of look at and go, oh, I like that and don't know why kind of like the beat and it takes me like maybe 50 times for me to finally get some of the words of a song so i'm sure my girlfriend can attest i've been singing just like the first (laughs) maybe two lines of every hamilton song over and over and over again (laughs) for the last two days so um it should be interesting (laughs) Uh, i'm glad to help out (laughs) yeah so uh first let's go ahead and read a synopsis of hamilton The synopsis is the real life of one of America's foremost founding fathers and first secretary of the Treasury, Alexander Hamilton. This was filmed live on Broadway from the Richard Rogers Theater with the original Broadway cast. Hamilton stars Lin-Manuel Miranda, David Diggs, and Leslie Odom Jr. It is written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, and the film is directed by Thomas Kale. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the ten dollar founded father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder by being a lot smarter by being a self-starter daughter. 
So this Hamilton film is not an adaptation of the stage show. It is actually just a filmed version of the stage play. It was edited together from three performances in New York City in 2016. So we have the original Broadway cast members. Um, So I would liken this to something like a concert film, which means that for many, many people, this is the closest thing that they'll ever get to seeing Hamilton live and certainly the closest thing that they'll ever get to seeing Hamilton with its original cast members. So this film was originally scheduled for a theatrical release on October uh, 15th of 2021, but was pushed up and released onto Disney Plus due to impact with um, or due to the impact of COVID-19 on both the film industry and the Broadway stage productions, which apparently will not be opening again until 2021. So, Josh, let me start by asking you, was this the first time that you saw Hamilton? Uh, No, I well, kind of. Um <laughs> In its entirety, yes. It happens to just like, it's kind of cliche for like theater fans to like say Hamilton's their favorite uh, musical, but it kind of just, I just love it so much. It's kind of like my favorite and I, I can't believe I've, I've never seen it and now like probably will never see it, but <laughs> I I saw it because I had a friend who um, is actually up and coming, um, has always been working like his whole like student career, like trying to get into Broadway and doing certain shows and things. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of seen some things through him of like, he's gotten access to certain things. So I've seen some things, but um, to actually see like the actual full production all together, like how it was kind of meant to be seen is very cool for me. So that's the first time. So do you mean that you've seen kind of recordings of the show before, like backstage recordings or something? things like that where it was more like uh right when it was coming out it and it's been like five years since that i don't remember exactly what i watched i just remember seeing maybe rehearsal footage or something i don't remember exactly what it was so that's always been what's been in my head uh when i listen to the soundtrack because for five years i've still been listening <laughs> to the like the whole soundtrack but um it, it's nice to see like a full production finally <laughs> Yeah, well, since this is a sing-through musical, you kind of can almost get, in some way, the entire story and the entire musical through just a soundtrack, which I think is a very nice part of the accessibility of this film. Yes, exactly. Um, But, okay, so this was your very first time seeing it uh, all the way through, and you saw it through the film medium. As a film experience, what were your thoughts on it, uh, just overall? It it was very much what i expected um Mm -hmm. because obviously going going into it knowing that like you already mentioned it wasn't like a theatrical version it was straight up just performances of the show that was very much what i expected yeah it was just kind of an immersive i guess view of the show how it is really the different camera angles and everything i guess add to that that's something you wouldn't get uh watching it you know in in the theater yeah, I mean, it, it is just a wonderful show. <laughs> I mean, so in some context, just watching the show is is incredible. It's it's a phenomenal feat of creativity. Um, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think there's a way to undersell it. I think, honestly, uh, I wasn't really versed in Hamilton. I had never seen it. Um, I had never really listened to the soundtrack and maybe heard bits and pieces of songs here and there. But I was a little worried that I was going to be a little disappointed by this but even on the film mm-hmm. you can just tell how amazingly astonishingly good everything about the musical is the the performances the just the amount of words that Lin-Manuel Miranda has to be saying <laughs> on a daily basis while while he was on this yeah. show it's insane but i thought it worked pretty well as a film i think there are certainly things that you lose in in watching it as a film uh, you're not in the theater so it does take a little bit away from kind of the seeing, you know, seeing the entire stage company moving with the synchronized choreography, mm-hmm. kind of letting it soak in, letting the um, the songs kind of overtake you in the moment. So there was a bit of a disconnect there, but it, it didn't do anything to really like detract from the experience, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would think that's probably accurate. Obviously, d- neither of us got to see it live, but... For me, like there, there wasn't a point of it uh, watching it where I thought, "Ah, oh, man, I really wish I saw this." Like, li- like obviously, I wish I saw it live, but there was no part where I was like, "This missed," 
and I hope it was better live. You know what I mean? Yeah. There wasn't, it, it didn't feel like you were explicitly missing anything important. Yeah. I think one of the reasons that is, is that, like you said, the camera angles, they had so many different camera angles and they were, it was mm-hmm. edited together from different shows. So it was a relatively dynamic movement. So even if, you know, you can't tilt your head to focus on one thing, the camera does that for you. And even in some certain contexts, it actually gives you a better image than what you would probably see unless you were front row, you know. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) If I did end up seeing it, I I probably wouldn't have seen it as close as the camera got. So (laughs) Yeah, I'd I'd be in the rafters like, what do you say? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, the other thing too is that I think the audio is pretty good. Um, Thank God for subtitles. I actually was able (laughs) to follow everything, which I've been told is kind of difficult seeing Hamilton the first time. Yeah. So that's interesting you say that because I originally, when when Hamilton first came out, um, I want to say it was like sophomore year of high school for me. Every single person in the music wing was just constantly singing it or playing it. So I had no problem with words whatsoever. Um, (laughs) But that's interesting that like somebody for the first time uh, or like for a newer perspective, that might actually be an issue. I've never even thought about that because they speak so quickly and and that's the whole story is in in the music. Yeah. I mean, it's fortunate that it's not necessarily like overly complex language or anything. It's it's very mm-hmm. up to date mm-hmm. and modern language, which definitely helps. That's true too. Um, and if you're used to listening to music and you know just understanding music in that context, in like a more modern context, it's not like this is Shakespeare or anything like that. Yeah. But not to say that uh, it's not amazing. <laughs> just to be clear, you know, I mean, this is it, it's it really is an awesome show, and I think as a film, it works pretty well there are moments where i think that sometimes the audio could be bumped up a little bit as the dialogue is a little drowned out in some of the music because obviously you know we're playing live music at the same time as the actors are singing on stage so there were certain times where i was like i can't quite make out what's happening uh things like that but i mean overall you know no complaints gotcha so much less of the actual production maybe even and then more so the adaptation of just turning it into a film yeah i mean possibly the same problem like live when you're watching it like i'm I'm sure live too there, there's going to be some words that you miss it was also interesting to watch lynn manuel actually get tired throughout the the film you can tell that his voice yeah. is much stronger in the first half of the musical than in the second half and I think part of that is that, you know, he's aging as a character or whatever. But yeah, after you say so many words, your voice is going to get tired. And it's not quite as strong of a voice in those back parts as when you listen to mm-hmm. it on uh, the soundtrack or whatever. Yeah, that that's definitely something um, I definitely didn't pick up on, um, like just watching this my first time through. Uh, but that you mentioned that, I mean, Lynn is in a... a fantastic um extremely multi-talented like musician and creator but i really don't think that he's a serious singer too no yeah yeah so that i mean could easily play into it as well carrying the whole show um like not not carrying it as in um like it's only good because of him but like carrying like so many of the lines and so much of the songs and so much of the music he's out there like 90 percent of the show and on top of that, not being like a trained singer, like maybe some of the other characters were, that totally makes sense that um, the fatigue would actually be an issue you could actually pick up on. Right. And it's not that he's a bad singer by any means, but when not, you compare yeah, no, him no. to people like Leslie Odom Jr. or Philip Basu, yeah. it's, it's a, there's <laughs> yeah, quite a yeah. distinction and you exactly. go, oh, he... <laughs> He, he's not the best, <laughs> but I mean, that, that doesn't really ruin the musical in any meaningful way or anything like that. It's just, you know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So do you have a favorite song from Hamilton? I don't know if I have a favorite, like one song. I have three that by far, like I'll listen to those any day of the week, like yeah. <laughs> just with my regular music too. Like not even, I don't really listen to like show tunes or anything. I'll just mm-hmm. listen to them as I'm listening to everything else. Washington on your side is awesome. One last time, I love the way George Washington's voice sounds. I think it's so incredible. 
Um, and then there was the other. Oh, Raise a Glass to Freedom. That's my third. That one, that one's just like a beautiful song. Like lyrics and the harmony and everything about it. That just kind of like gives me chills every time. Yeah, those are all great ones. I think one of my favorite ones is Jonathan Groff's songs as King George III. He's probably oh one of my, my favorite car- characters in the whole <laughs> musical. Incredible. So funny. Incredible. Also, it's it's crazy that um, he never really interacts with anybody either. It's just kind of like an aside every single time he's out there, like just singing his like monologue as like a response to what's been going on. But from the point of view of England, I think that's just a very clever uh, device that, that Lynn used. Yeah, I like that the film or what, you know, I keep saying the film, but the stage show or whatever, whatever this <laughs> yeah. is, um, I, I really like that it manages to keep a sense of humor to it. And mm-hmm. it's also a modern sense, uh, a modern sensibility yeah, to humor. But that's that's definitely my favorite character. My other favorite character <laughs> is uh, Jasmine Cephas Jones as Peggy Schuler. <sighs> Peggy. <laughs> I, I know that's a, like a meme out there or like it's, oh, yeah. it's a thing that Peggy, but man, <laughs> I, I just love her popping in screaming Aunt Peggy and then never showing up for the rest <laughs> of the musical. But what happens? I, I need to know what happens to her. Yeah, so I looked it up after the musical, and she marries some dude who is, you know, more prominent in politics than uh, her sisters, or she was never as involved in politics as her sisters, so that's why she kind of was just not there, but justice for Peggy. (laughs) Yeah, important enough to, like, just be introduced to, like, have us think about it. (laughs) We definitely need a spinoff of Hamilton just called Peggy, and it's just about her, (laughs) her story. I love it. Do you have any favorite characters? Um, I love uh, David Diggs' characters that he plays both. Um, I think because I think he plays Lafayette and then he plays Jefferson too. I think. Yeah, yeah. He does such a great job playing the French character and then immediately not playing like any sort of accent. It's so interesting how they they cast um, Hamilton. Yeah, I, I love how it like. Absolutely no requirement of looking or having any like physical portrayal of the people that we're talking about other than their costumes. I think that's so important uh, for the fact of like what we were saying about how it's very modernized. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very cool thing they did. And I love David Diggs's um, just acting. Um, I think those two roles he did very well. Yeah, and he brings a lot of the more hip-hop and rap style of yep, lyrics yep. and music. Um, you know, I think he's probably on the lower end of the people in the cast in terms of, like, a powerful voice. So he he does a lot more of the, the sing-talking, which is just yeah. a ton of fun. There's a lot of really great moments that he gets to kind of react to people. Like, when he finds out that uh, Hamilton was cheating on his wife and he goes what yeah <laughs> very funny <laughs> yes i think i heard that like and this is this comes as no surprise uh like whatsoever but i think i heard he got like the guinness world record of shattering like absolutely shattering um like the fastest speech or, or something in like a broadway show oh really or something with with guns and ships yeah that's the lafayette speech right yep 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 um the Lafayette, great. like, big feature. Yeah. Yep. And I'm pretty sure he got, like, awarded from, like, Guinness World Records, like, fastest... I, I don't even know what they would call it, but I guess just fastest, like, lines delivered uh, in, mm. a, in a show. Yeah. It's an oddly specific world record to have, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess rap is just really not uh, prominent in, in Broadway yet. Yeah. And I mean, going back to that modernization of the musical, I think it's very timely for this, you know, film experience to come out at this time. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's really interesting to think about the establishment of America and how that was done by this group of individuals, many of whom were immigrants, and they were kind of working outside of the laws established by their individual society. And you know, when you think about what's going on now in the country, there's this discussion going on about, you know, all the riots and everything else. And a lot of people are questioning whether that is the right way to incite change. But then, you know, it's these types of protests and these certain acts of aggression and unrest 
that's really similar to the things going on in this film and and going on in the establishment of America. So it's just really interesting to see that parallel now to be like, oh yeah, that why are people saying that this is this crazy thing going on? This is exactly what happened when we were upset with our leaders and, you know, whatnot in the establishment of America as a society. Yeah, I think you can definitely and and it's probably very much by design um mm-hmm. on yeah. Lynn's part. Um, that there's just very stark parallels. And again, with like the casting of just having people from all walks of life, I think it makes it that much more poignant with everything. Absolutely. I, this is just really is a great <laughs> musical and a great film. Yeah. On that note, do you think that, you know, there's been a lot of talk recently about how people think that this could win awards and that whether the Hamilton film should be eligible for awards. What do you think? So that would be like like movie awards, right? Yeah, because... Like, we're done talking about like Tony's because that would be like five years ago when it won those awards, right? Right, yeah. So in whatever context that you would now perceive this as a film or a television gotcha. movie or whatever, um, do you think that this does count as something that could be eligible for awards? I feel like it shouldn't. For the reason that it's just footage from what already won awards in its own medium, if it, I feel like if it were like a more straightforward, like what is, like if there's some award for like what is um, the most popular or influential like uh, thing to stream nowadays, like sure, it, maybe <laughs> that could get it. But I, I feel like it shouldn't win like an Oscar or something. It just it wasn't. I don't know. It's because it, you know what I mean. It's not a theatrical rendition. It, it's just completely footage from from a play. Yeah, I completely I agree with you. Um, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's in any way bad or anything, but it it is certainly yeah, not made to be a. F- I mean, it is made to be a film, but you know, it, it's sort of like awarding it twice feels a little weird to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I that that's that's what it is. It's it's that. Um, I also like wouldn't feel bad at all too if it doesn't if like it's not allowed because they absolutely like cleaned up tony's when they had the chance yeah so it's like it's not like they're they had their chance for and awards they ha- recognition yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly um so I, I wouldn't feel bad if they absolutely like weren't um but also just the fact that like it accomplished what it set out to do in my mind and unless they were to actually reimagine it for the format of film then obviously yes that should be eligible. But as it stands now, I just don't think so. Yeah, I think there's certain like Emmy categories and maybe even some Golden Globe categories that are given to like live variety shows or things like the Oscars and the Golden Globe ceremonies themselves are sometimes nominated for Emmys and things like that. So I could imagine it falling into that category, like some sort of thing where it's competing against other concert films or things like that but yeah i mean especially because this doesn't even have any backstage it's not like a documentary or anything Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's great that this is out here and i think it's awesome that disney well i mean disney just outbid a whole bunch of people for it but it's great that they decided to put (sighs) it out especially nowadays um no perfect timing yeah (laughs) so but i mean yeah i i don't think that in terms of awards eligibility it really has a a place Mm mm-hmm But something that people have also been talking about is how there are tons and tons of other musicals on Broadway that are probably already pre-recorded and filmed and things like that, and that people are clamoring for them to be dropped and to do something very similar in this format with other musicals. Are there particular musicals that you think would be really well done in this format? Um, That's a very good question. I am probably the worst musical theater fan that exists because (laughs) I listen to so much musical theater music and have seen so few shows. Like, I've seen a lot of shows, but the ones that people are talking about, like, constantly... Like, for example, um, Sarah Bareilles did Waitress, and, like, Mm. going to music school, it's all, like, so many people just couldn't stop talking about that that show. Like, you would hear the music uh, be performed in classes, like, extremely, extremely well-received musical and all I know is music from it like I I haven't seen so like imagining a musical that's more recent that could be done the same way that Hamilton was I unfortunately probably 
don't really have an idea. I will say I've seen Dear Evan Hansen, but I don't think that would actually work out as well for the fact that it, the set and everything is extremely minimal. Mm-hmm. So it's very much like stand and deliver. That being said, though, with not a lot of things to do at the moment and a <laughs> lot of people are, you know what I mean? Like, just yeah, give me things. whatever you got. Yeah, just if you have it, I, what what else am I going to do? So I, I'm, I'd be glad to watch it. I don't know how successful it would be. But from the standpoint of like somebody who who's just like kind of would take any content he can get right now, I I would just love if any Broadway show, especially since they're they're out until at least 2021, I feel like they should just put up whatever they can, really. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. The ones that come to mind, I mean, again, I don't know too much about Broadway musicals. I've only seen one Broadway musical, which was The Lion King. Uh, I think that actually would be pretty cool to see filmed. Uh, It's got a lot of dynamic sets and a lot of these crazy costumes and everything that would look really good on film, Uh, especially because it is a little different from the actual Lion King movie. You know, the animated one, you definitely can't say that about Mm -hmm. the live action one. There's actually a reason (laughs) to see the Lion King musical. It adds some content and there's some new songs and things like that. 100%. Yeah. Um, and then the other one, just for like a personal reason that I am told again and again that I would enjoy uh, Wicked and that I should see it oh. and I've never seen it. So I think that would be a nice one to to see filmed as well. I think I'm just having a bad day remembering things. I've seen both of those and I completely agree. Those would look awesome. Their sets are great. Um, they got enough going on visually. I think that would um, that would work pretty well. Yeah. I think this experience would also be really cool as a VR experience. I mean, I I think you would need a ton of cameras and a ton of different angles, and it probably wouldn't work too well if you were taking multiple edits from different shows. But imagine being able to kind of like sit in a theater seat and then be able to crane your head and look around at the set as you're watching the film. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, that that would be great. And um, what we talked about with like, if you want to hone in on like a certain part of it, then you then you can you can pay attention to like, whatever part of it that you want without having to worry about the camera angles, that would be awesome. And that's actually I actually heard something um, very similar about concert experiences, because classical like music scene and, and live performances with like orchestras and everything, mm-hmm. obviously, are taking a huge hit. Because the orchestra itself needs to be a large group of people sitting very close to each other. Right. Um, and so then then the audience obviously is like same situation. But I, I heard rumors that possibly like if everybody um, follows guidelines and we can get an orchestra together, um, that some places want to try to do a 3D like videoed music hall so you can experience like a concert again. That would be so cool. Yeah. I don't I mean I don't know anything about VR technology so I don't know how feasible <laughs> that is but you know mm-hmm. if they could get it done I think that would be really cool to just kind of get that more aversive, uh, immersive experience. I I don't know uh much about the technology about it either except I mean I've seen stuff on like Facebook uh with like 3D videos and things where I feel like I I could be completely wrong, but I feel like there's this special camera that's not even that expensive because I think they do it for like realty stuff too, where it like to show tours of houses and things like, but you literally get this camera or rent it out, um, even cheaper. And I've seen like a ton of people just post like 3d videos on Facebook. So it can't be that like, (laughs) yeah, if if crazy aunts can do it, then yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, the, the giant symphonies and Broadway should be able to figure it out for sure. 100%. So um, let's go ahead and wrap up our discussion on Hamilton. Uh, it feels a little weird to ask for a score for this film, but it is my podcast, so I'm going to do it anyways. So Josh, why don't gotcha. you just summarize your uh, your thoughts on the film and give a score out of 10 for Hamilton, the film, Hamel film, or whatever people call it. Hamel film. <laughs> All right, so knowing the music like the back of my hand now because it's been out for five years, it, it's very nice to see a performance of it where 
like with every Broadway show, there's that push and pull where they add their own inflections and it's always slightly different with live performances. So like trying to sing along too, and like they add their own like character more into it than like a studio version is just like refreshing to finally get like a live something you can actually like that's like breathing and, and living. So that was very cool. And I mean, the videography and everything was like, I, I'm not, um, like I've taken classes and stuff, but I'm not like in no means, uh, an expert or even the, a step below that, um, understanding like different angles and things, but it, it looked perfectly fine to me. I didn't feel, I didn't feel unimmersed by it at all. So, I mean, rating it is interesting because it might be a little less so about the actual content of it, because if I'm just rating <laughs> yeah. content of it, I don't, I don't see really a single thing wrong with it. I hate to give out like a 10 out of 10. I feel like that would make me like, uh, I feel like that would just discredit like me rating things if I'm just handing out <laughs> 10s. So I, I guess taking everything into consideration, I'll go 9.7. 9.7? 9.7. Nine 9.7. Wow. Okay. So 0.3 just for... 0.3 because... What would have made it better is if I was there and you can tell that you're not there, but it's not their fault. Yeah. So it's out yeah. of their control. That's the the sword I will fall on. <laughs> Perfectly fair. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I'll just uh, mirror pretty much everything that Josh said. Uh, it's a great experience. I think as a film, I was worried that it was just kind of going to be this static looking at a stage for two and a half hours. Um but they actually find a lot of ways to keep it dynamic and keep it fresh and it moves around a lot. So it's it's a very engaging performance and a very engaging film. Um, I think that there's, you know, if you haven't seen Hamilton, there's zero reason to not see this unless you hate Disney so much that you're not going to see one of the best Broadway musicals ever. But um, even if you have seen Hamilton, I think it's a great way to kind of get a very front of the row and very personal experience with all of these actors doing something that is basically impossible to see anywhere else because they're no longer on Broadway. I think it's also cool that the film has a built-in intermission. I found that that worked perfectly for the streaming experience. So I watched with my girlfriend and her parents and everybody at the intermission. We paused it. We got up. We made some food. People went to the bathroom. And I think that that was a nice break for a two and a half hour movie experience. So um, yeah, really just across the board, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. Awesome. I wanted to make mention of one thing, which is that I don't know if you know about this, but um, there's the Hamilton mixtape out on like streaming services. Huh. Yeah. What is that? So what Lynn did was there are certain songs that didn't make the um, actual show that get performed. I think he, he does those ones. And then he, for the rest of them, it's famous artists that just perform songs from Hamilton and they also put their own spin on it. So like Buster Rhymes and uh, Black Thought from The Roots, they rap the intro to Hamilton, but they also make it a little bit more about um, equality and pro like um, just like rights for immigrants. And like they, they take the different songs of Hamilton and the artists make it their own. Like Jimmy Fallon did um, the King James <laughs> uh, you'll be back, which is hilarious. So it's like stuff like that. And you can get it anywhere um, that like stuff is streaming. And I listen to that pretty frequently, like almost as much as the regular uh, show. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. That's I'll definitely check that out. That seems sweet. Yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and move on to the Netflix film Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. So first, I'll just give a synopsis of Eurovision. Uh, when aspiring musicians Lars and Sigrid are given the opportunity to represent their country at the world's biggest song competition, they finally have a chance to prove that any dream worth having is a dream worth fighting for. Eurovision stars Will Ferrell, Rachel McAdams, and Dan Stevens. It is written by Will Ferrell and Andrew Steele, and it is directed by David Dobkin. Ever since we were children, we've had one dream. <gasps> Winning the Eurovision Song Contest. All right, everyone. I am Lars. This is Secret. We are Fire Saga. Who 
wants to hear our Eurovision song? All of Iceland thinks we are a joke. That's not true. And my father is ashamed of me. No, he's not. He looked me into the eyes and said, I am ashamed of you. Maybe he was drunk. He said, and you might think that I'm drunk, but I am dead sober. So Eurovision Song Contest is a yearly contest that takes place in Europe where every country submits an act to represent their country. And then all these countries perform on stage and then a winner is voted on by the people and by the countries or whatever. And I think most of the winners go on to achieve basically the same level of fame and success as, you know, your average American Idol winner. But like American Idol, there are a few people who have become quite famous uh, I think the most famous winners are probably ABBA in 1974, and then in 1988, Celine Dion won for Switzerland. As a kid who spent every summer in Finland, I would actually hear quite a few of these songs you know, on the radio or wherever, and there was a time where I was actually pretty invested in learning who the winner was each year. So Josh, is the Eurovision Song Contest something that you're familiar with, or was this the first time you'd ever heard of it? This is definitely the first time I'm hearing of it. And um, actually, when you reached out to me about possibly covering this, I, I had no idea <laughs> what it was. I thought, I thought you were talking like, let's cover... Um, I mean, it turned out to be an actual contest, but I thought you were like, let's cover what happened at this contest like last weekend or something. Yeah. Um, so I, I was very in the dark about the whole thing. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you were like willing to do it, even though you had no idea what it was. So uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no problem. I definitely saw that there is a new Will Ferrell movie on Netflix and I knew I wanted to watch it. I just had no idea what it was called or what it was about. Yeah. So this came onto Netflix uh, pretty randomly. I think it was supposed to come out earlier in May, which would have been in line with the actual Eurovision contest. Uh, but that was obviously oh. canceled or whatever. So we got this in June. Um, so what are your thoughts on the film just overall? In, in general, uh, like I said before, um, anything that comes out now, I, I'm glad to just watch it and give literally everything a chance to just like, why not? What what else am I going to be doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not like, not like, I'm, I'm not like setting the bar so low, but I was definitely like pleasantly surprised because like, with, I feel like with, with certain Will Ferrell movies, it can either be so weird that it misses or so weird that it's like perfect and you didn't know you like needed it. But I, I think this... This definitely like isn't one of my favorite movies by him, but it was definitely much um, like I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I, I thought because just like looking at, I guess, the thumbnail or whatever they, they put like you're like, OK, this looks pretty zany. Um, it looks like they're like dressed up like Vikings. I have no idea what this is going to be about, um, <laughs> but I was definitely pleasantly surprised. Um, it, it's definitely a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think that's the best way to describe the film is that it's just a fun watch. This feels like a comedy film that is just one of those classic Will Ferrell comedy films from the mid 2000s. Like it feels completely ripped out of that period of time in all of its sensibilities, in the way that the story is structured, in the way that the characters relate to each other. It almost has this kind of nostalgic and comforting feel to it because it does feel very similar to things like Blades of Glory. Yeah, I would I would second that like very hard. It it's like that same this is like the universe we're in right now and it may look weird to you but to everybody in it it's completely normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this to me reminded me a lot of Pitch Perfect meets Blades of Glory. And um <laughs> Pitch Perfect is a film that I really really like. I think it is another incredibly fun film to watch. But you know, I think that film rides on its music in the same way that this does. I think that there are funny moments in this film, but really the main selling point to me is the music and like the idea of this music competition. It's it's almost a sports movie or like a underdog sports movie kind of thing where you are just rooting for these people to win something, you know? And it's not like <laughs> it's not particularly a creative movie. It doesn't really do anything unconventional or anything like that. In fact, it fairly 
expertly leans on a lot of the tropes of this type of genre and this type yep. of film. Yep. And like in terms of the characters, I don't really care about them. I, I like them enough to watch them, but it's all for me just kind of this window dressing to get to the next musical performance. Yeah, I would very much uh, agree with that. And um, when you said almost like one of those like sports movies, immediately I think of like dodgeball, like (laughs) with the zany, the zany, like not that there's necessarily like a a strong like antagonist really, but like there's with dodgeball, it's just like this, like, you know, this person is just better or this team or whatever. And then you're, you're rooting for the underdogs. That's just like. Yeah, it's just, it's got like parallels like that in my mind. So what are your thoughts on the music of the film? Uh, For me, I was like genuinely surprised at how much I liked most of the songs, but I've got a relatively low bar in what I'm willing to listen to. So (laughs) what are your thoughts? To to me, it was very easy to tell, like, and this could be, I think this is exactly just what they were going for. But when you have actors and they're, from what I think they were, um, when you have the actors actually like singing the songs, they're going to be extremely, unless they're classically trained like, um, what's his name? Uh, Wolverine. I can't think of his name right now. Hugh Jackman? Yeah. Like with Hugh Jackman, who's actually a Broadway star, um, like they don't need the extra like production and ultra like tuning of their voices and things. But I think in the setting of this movie where it was like, um, it's a little bit retro, and you have like that European like whole very like this dream to be like pop stars like it'd be the next like big like I guess like the next ABBA <laughs> that whole like very produced um, and synthesizer heavy like very electronic music mm-hmm. does fit. It was a little bit like jarring to me at first. I was like, okay, this is almost like comical like to the fact that like the the vocals and everything were like just so produced. But then, like, I, I kind of realized, I was like, okay, wait, this is actually kind of the vibe of the genre of music you would be hearing. So, at first, I was, like, a little bit put off, but then I was like, wait, wait, it, it, this is a comedy, and this is kind of, like, the genre of music they're going for. So, it, it made sense to me after that. But, like, the songs itself were, like, good songs. Like, the quality of, of the, the um, like, the lyrics and actual, like, songs and everything were actually very good. Yeah, to that point, uh, in terms of the kind of electronic-y, poppy type of music, I think the film does a pretty good job at capturing the spirit of the Eurovision Song Contest. And you kind of mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. a lot of these representative new musical numbers, but they feel very representative of past winners and some of gotcha. the Eurovision staples. Like you've got the sexy, deep-voiced uh dude played by dan stevens playing this kind of just (laughs) ridiculous song but it does in a lot of ways feel like a song that is uh, i guess like center of the lane enough for a ton of people from a ton of different countries to be like yeah i like that song yeah yeah that's something i just had to realize was that wait a second like maybe in um the actual places that like this is taking place that this is actually kind of like expected and and like what like obviously it's going to be dramatized to an extent but it's dramatized from that like ultra electronic stuff that they would be hearing in the first place yeah i I also love that will ferrell uses his actual voice in the songs um whereas rachel mcadams and even dan stevens uh they have singing doubles or whatever you want to call it oh really yeah so I, I know Dan okay. Stevens was going to provide his voices, but because of COVID, they couldn't get him to, you know, record his voice. Oh, so okay. they used this different person. And then Rachel McAdams is just a, a Swedish singer is using her voice. And I think that works a lot because you're expected to think that she is an incredible talent. And Will Ferrell is actually mm-hmm. the one that just does the lyrics and stuff, but he's not actually supposed yep. to be a good singer in the film. Rachel McAdams is the one with the talent. So I think it actually works in the, like you said, the voices are very powerful and very strong. Yeah. Now that, now that you're saying that, that makes a lot of sense because I could definitely tell that Will Ferrell was singing. His character (laughs) of his voice is completely there, which is perfect. Um, Like everybody that is listening for Will Ferrell, just because the way he says things are like, is like half of him. And, but like, yeah, with Secret, she was 
supposed to be like prodigy voice like and i have no idea if who is it, rachel mcadams yeah yeah i have no idea what her actual voice sounds like but I, I, that makes sense like for obviously for the prodigy voice to be a voice double makes sense yeah for a second i thought that it was actually demi lovato giving her her vocals because she has this very oh. tiny part in the film um, yes yes and I was like, why is why did she agree to do this? She's barely in the movie. But I guess we should talk <laughs> a little bit more about that in spoilers. So um, uh-huh. let me just ask before we hop in. I think it's always interesting to ask this question in this time period. Maybe people who are listening are like, fuck, why does he keep asking this question? But how do you think the experience of this film would change in a theatrical setting? Like, does this film feel like one of those streaming service films? Or does it feel like something that you would pay money to see in a theater honestly a little bit of both um Mm -hmm. because if you told me the synopsis of the movie before i watched it i would definitely think it was very um like geared towards a netflix like streaming thing like like a new um david spade movie that just came out on netflix (laughs) like something like that (laughs) but the fact that it's will ferrell and i I do tend to like him a little bit more than some of those um, comedic actors from around the same time period of like early 2000s stuff. I just think he's had a little bit better longevity than them. Um, So I think I would have definitely given it a chance if I saw like a trailer that hooked me. Yeah, I think the film also just does feel surprisingly cinematic and not in Mm -hmm. the way that like Avengers Endgame or Portrait of a Lady on Fire or any of like of those types of movies feel cinematic, but it feels like a film that is made with a studio hand in the sense that it is very mainstream and is made to make you laugh and made to make you have a good time. And I feel like a lot of people could enjoy it and it would be a ton of fun to do that in a theater with people. And it also doesn't Mm -hmm. really feel like one of those Netflix films that is kind of just trying to throw everything at the screen and, you know, some of it sticks, some of it doesn't, it genre mixes all the time and, it kind of just is all over the place. And if you like it, you like it. But like, I feel like this film just kind of knows what it wants to do and it just commits to it. It stays in that genre. It commits to everything that we know about that genre. And, you know, if you compare it to a film, I don't know. Did you uh, see The Lovebirds? That was another Netflix film. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. So um, Eurovision was a film made by Netflix for Netflix. But The Lovebirds mm-hmm. was a film that was made in, you know, made to be shown in the theaters, but was sold to Netflix because of the pandemic. And comparing those two films is really weird because The Lovebirds feels like a very much like a streaming service movie, like half of an idea kind of just pasted together in this weird fashion. But this film feels very like it's there's nothing missing to it. It, it knows what it's trying to do. Whether that thing is ambitious is another question. Uh, it's not. It's just pretty straight down the line, but I was surprised by how much it felt like a complete product. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, Literally, the first thing I noticed when watching it was that I expected it to be very, that like streaming subgenre, like what you were just describing. Um, That was definitely what I went into it thinking. And then I remember one of the first like shots or something. I don't remember if it was the opening shot or not, but it was like this beautiful picturesque scene of uh iceland at night and there was snow falling and i was like wait i didn't really think this was gonna be (laughs) like have like like really nice shots in it as well like i thought it was gonna be will ferrell's face on the screen like the whole time like doing his thing yeah for sure (laughs) uh let's hop into spoilers quickly and just talk about some of the the tiny things that maybe people don't want to hear if they haven't seen the film yet Um, But Josh, Mm -hmm. before you do that, let's go ahead and uh, just summarize our thoughts on the film and give it a score out of 10. So overall, absolutely perfect movie to come out right now, like something that will make you laugh um, and you can have fun with like multiple people watching, like obviously being smart and distancing if you don't see them every day. (laughs) Um, I'm not I'm not uh, advocating for for throwing those rules out the window. You didn't hear that from me. Um, but like fun to watch with like your immediate family right now. Um, it's something to do with the added bonus of it. I think it's a lot more than what it looks like, uh, when you click on it, there is a little bit 
of like like what you said with staying true to a genre i think it definitely like that is refreshing to you're gonna have fun watching the movie but you can also have a cohesive story with it um there were definitely like certain parts that in general felt a little bit too zany to be maybe part of like if they wanted to make it more about like a hardship struggle contest with hints of comedy Mm -hmm. um it was definitely more like comedy based around this contest which is totally fine and i enjoyed it a lot if i'm if i'm rating it i'd probably give it a solid like seven out of ten great and um i'm just gonna say similar things again i'm not gonna argue for the sake of argument's sake uh, I think the film is really good. It's, it's, it's a lot of, or I think the film is really funny. I don't know if it's really good. It's, it's, it's not a good film per se. I mean, I think the characters, like I said, their relationships are really manufactured and stupid and you don't watch a film like this for the interpersonal drama, but they put it in there anyways, because they kind of have to, so that it's not like, you know, just music scene after music scene after music scene but the characters are funny enough and the the zaniness makes it so that it's clear that the focus of the film is not the drama or the relationship between Will Ferrell and Pierce Brosnan playing his dad which is kind of ridiculous because they're like <laughs> 6 years apart in age or something um <laughs> but yeah I, I mean so this film it's it's just a ton of fun i think the music is really great i think you are going to have a lot of fun if you watch it and but like so can parents and kids and whatever it's it's a very accessible film for a lot of people um so i'm gonna give it a seven and a half out of ten all right so with that let's hop into spoilers uh spoilers for eurovision starting now that's my secret cat I'm always angry. So this isn't, you know, a film that really warrants a huge spoiler discussion because there really isn't a lot to that film uh, or a lot Mm -hmm. to what it's trying to say. But I just thought it would be fun to talk about some of the songs and stuff. Um, There is a boat explosion in this movie that I totally called. (laughs) I was like, they've got to get to. Yeah, I was like, they've got to get to the stage somehow. It, oh, I know what's going to happen. They're not on the boat. The boat is going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I had a similar thought process, but I definitely wasn't analyzing it like too closely because I was like, wait a second. They lost. It made sense. I have no clue how they're going to make the contest. Are they going to like totally change the goal of the movie now? But yeah, you, you called it. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... it. It's just something that definitely would happen in a movie like this. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of songs, were there any ones that particularly stood out to you or any ones that particularly didn't work for you? With songs, I, before I, I say that, one thing with songs was that I, I wish there were more songs. Yeah. Not that it needed more songs, but the fact that they were performing the same songs multiple times Whereas a movie like Spinal Tap, where they play a different song like throughout the movie, like every couple minutes, like, and each of them are hilarious. This could have had that, I think, as well. Like, if they had to do a different song at each stage of the competition, I think that would have added something. Because, like, obviously, like, I loved, um, my favorite song was probably the Russian guys, like, I forget what it's called, something about the lion. The lion of love or something. Yeah, Lion of Love or something. That was just <laughs> so funny to me. Um, so that 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 would probably have to be my favorite one. Um, but like, if he had to perform like a different one, because I think you see him perform twice, that would be great. Like, you, that's just another opportunity to make an even funnier like song for him. Yeah, for sure. Because it is Eurovision, you know, they actually have to do that in Eurovision. But I agree gotcha. that there definitely could be a way to mix things up. And I and I am glad that they didn't just do double trouble like three or four times. They at least played a different <laughs> song at the end than the one that they played yes. when the hamster wheel thing happened. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> but I, I really do like the double trouble. I think it's actually a great song. Like if that came on, it, it's just a yeah. banger of a song. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was surprised that 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 like I was actually really into their song. I didn't think I would be. So there was also a scene where they were at a party and there was this big sing-along song. 
Um, a lot of the people in that sing-along thing were actual Eurovision contestants. Did you know that? I had no clue. Obvi- no, I had no clue. Yeah, <laughs> I figured because you yeah. <laughs> had never heard of this competition. I wonder how many yeah. people watched this not knowing anything about Eurovision. But like for me, I thought it was pretty fun to see because, I mean, there were a ton of people that I had no idea. I'm not going to pretend like I'm a huge Eurovision fan or <laughs> anything like that. But yeah. I did identify this one dude, Alexander Rybeck, who he was very well known for... Um, having a song called Fairy Tale that won from 2012. Absolute banger. You should definitely check it out. But he plays a fiddle in it. And in the movie, he also has a fiddle that he's playing during the the song uh, during the sing-along. So I, I got really yeah, excited I when I saw that. I was like, oh shit, that's that's him. <laughs> but yeah, tons <laughs> of people, great. tons of people in that were either past winners or people who kind of like were particularly famous afterwards for whatever reason. Um, so it mm-hmm. was a good little nod to it. Yeah, that that's like that's something that I wish I would have known because I think that adds just a little bit more like depth to this movie that otherwise is pretty just like a straightforward comedy like they they actually did like a little bit of their research on the actual competition and like made sure to actually honor it in a way. So I think that's actually cool and I wish I knew. Yeah, I think it does the film has a decent amount of heart and effort put into it in a way that I was a little bit surprised about. I thought this was going to be a relatively lazy thing, but you can tell that somebody in the production of this movie actually cares in some way about the Eurovision song contest. Mm -hmm. And um, Will Ferrell actually has said that like he was inspired to make this movie because he was introduced to the contest by his wife who's Swedish or something. So like he's been watching it for, for years apparently. Gotcha. That's so interesting. Yeah, but dude, Ya Ya Ding Dong. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That, that what a great amazing. song. <laughs> and I love the dude that just like aggressively yells at Will Ferrell <laughs> yes. every time. Like, no, you play Ya Ya yes. Ding Dong. <laughs> yes. But I think my favorite part of, of the whole movie is that after like, I mean, I will probably maybe mention this, but they like you know, have a great reception at, at the uh, contest. They ultimately don't win. But after all this stardom and everything that has now, like, come upon them, still that guy is yelling at them, like, screw your song. I, I still want Ya Ya Ding Dong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably very, like, frustrating for music people to handle in general. Just like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to play real Wonderwall. good music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, so the one other thing I wanted to mention about the film that I think is kind of interesting to think about is that in fashion with it being ripped out of the 2000s, it also does have some relatively dated gender roles that are very common in films and specifically comedy films from the 2000s time period. And in this film, you have this like, you know, much more talented female singer who is pining for this idiotic and kind of failure and not really any reason to really like him male lead and the only way that she can finally reach success and become her true self and all that stuff is with the support of a man i feel like that feels very uh regressive not in a bad way not in like an outright offensive or problematic way but it it did strike that or it did strike me watching the film when a lot of comedy films and a lot of films in general nowadays are a little bit more progressive in how they handle those things and I think that in general, just the romantic subplot of this, I could have done completely without. Yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree. The whole the whole subplot with it, it was weird that um I don't even remember her name. The one that was like into Will Ferrell. Yeah, she was the Greek contestant. I don't I can't remember her name. Okay. Yeah, who was like who who for some reason like knew the, the Russian guy very well. It, it it was weird that whole like the four of them like navigating a weird because like he had like an attraction to her the Russian guy to um secret but felt completely one sided yet she would only like hang out with him throughout the movie which was weird like because she seemed like she was I don't know I, it felt very like forced tropey not that like this movie needs to be analyzed like that deep maybe if you're just yeah. trying to enjoy it but um. It just felt like very unnatural that she would just keep hanging out with him. I don't know. 
Yeah, and it also just kind of felt weird that she kept pining after Will Ferrell's character, and in this, yeah. in the same way, like why why did she like him so much? Um, mm-hmm. The real, really, the only reason is because he's the main character, and like you know, whatever, it's fine. That's again, that's not why you watch a comedy film like this, so it doesn't really matter. But it, it does feel a little. This is certainly a film. That I, I keep trying to think of it or compare it to something like Booksmart, which is Booksmart. It has a lot of these zany kind of comedic, comedic beats, but it is also a film where you're interested in the characters and you're invested in their relationships and things like that because it is a much more progressive film. In this one, it's just sort of like, oh, we have to have this thing in here because mm-hmm. that's what comedy films have. It, it felt very like perfunctory. Yeah, I would definitely agree that like it it definitely didn't try to break a mold of any sort. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it, it got kind of like weirdly complicated when uh <laughs> you found out that uh Dan Stevens' character was gay. Um yeah. I don't know how how <laughs> politically correct that was. I I was trying to gauge based on the reaction of other people. I have no idea. Um but yeah, I you know, it's a comedy film, I guess. <laughs> I mean, definitely the line where he's like, where she like asks him and he's just like, oh no, we don't have gay people in Russia. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, that, it, that was funny. I couldn't tell if it was like a political like statement kind of thing. It was just, it was very funny that like his confusion was because a government kind of uh, yeah. forced view, I guess. He was like, there's no gay people in Russia. <laughs> Yeah, and then obviously, like, but all of his songs are performed with, like, half-naked, uh, very muscular men. That just that just added to the funniness of his song. And then the whole, like, questioning of his sexuality kind of, like, I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that was going to be a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it did come out of nowhere, and I was like, um, <laughs> how, how am I supposed to feel about this? But, you know, I think... You know, whatever. <laughs> I think we should just end yeah. it there. Um, <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to mention about the film? Um, no. I it was just a it was just very fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So this has been our review of Hamilton, as well as Eurovision Song Contest: The Story of Fire Saga. So, Josh, thank you so much again for joining me today. I thought this was a blast. Yeah, I, I had a great time, and uh, this is like my first actual podcast collaboration, and it was great to be here. Awesome. Is there anything you want to specifically plug? Nothing like specific, just um, I'm running my own podcast for about, it's going to be about three months now. Um, started it, you know, when everything kind of went south, and I had nothing <laughs> else to do. And it, it's always been like um, a plan to start one. I've always had the means to do it. I just needed the right excuse and and i guess it's a positive to like it's nice to look at not everything is a negative (laughs) right now yeah for sure so it was just something to to work on and and grow um so i i do the the media music podcast where i talk about just music in different media uh tv film video games uh things like that and um, I also provide music for, for free for people that, like, need it. Like, I've been writing intros for other podcasts, um, theme music, things like that. Uh, as long as you don't mind just mentioning that I did it, then I will make you free music. All right, sweet. And uh, how can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, Twitter, it is actually everywhere. It's just uh, Media Music Pod, M-E-D-I-A Music Pod. All right, sweet. And I will provide a link to that in the show notes so that you can follow Josh. Awesome. The intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie M-A-R-A pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, MovieMarathonersPod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast on Podbean at moviemarathoners.podbean.com, and we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. So please subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing, and any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. So thank you all for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time for a TBD topic 
as well as an announcement about the future of this podcast. So I'm excited to make that announcement. Uh, Stay tuned for that. Until then, bye. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.